The reading is uh, John, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12 to 36. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, near the palace where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. 
How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. this I'm just going to pray for you Father God we uh, we thank you for Kai and we thank you uh, for the words that you have laid on his heart for this evening we just pray now that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would minister powerfully to each of us and through him give him the words that you want to say to each of us Lord and give us the uh, ears to hear and the hearts to listen and to respond to you this evening. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go back to when I was a kid growing up in Merthyr just for a change. And um, when I was a teenager, I had a large group of friends, most of them were still my mates now. Those people want to WhatsApp to and, you know, send stupid things and silly noises and that kind of thing. But there was a bit of a predicament with my mates. Um, I lived on one particular part of Merthyr. They lived on another part of Merthyr. And they were two miles in between us, or half a mile, if you're willing to take a certain shortcut. The two mile was a round uphill kind of affair. And it was pretty straightforward. It was on main roads, it was safe, but it was two miles. The half a mile road, however, was a very different prospect. It was bumpy, it was bobbly, it was occasionally full of undesirables, and it had a lot of nasty dogs knocking about the place from a local scrapyard as well. Two miles versus all of that. So every evening after I'd been out with my friends, wherever, I had to weigh up my options about what I would do. In the summer, half a mile was an easy thing to do. But in the winter time, I really had to decide. And I've got to be honest, I'm always a bit of a safety kind of person first. Normally, I would take the long road. But this one night in particular, I couldn't be bothered. So I decided I was going to take the risk. Now, I had to weigh up one thing, and that was the undesirables I could cope with. Most of them I knew. Most of them I had been in school with. Most of them I'd even go as far to call friends. And even the ones that didn't, I could outrun. So that was all right. The dogs, on the other hand, that was a very different prospect. I don't know what dogs they were. I never saw them, but they made a lot of noise. And as in the way of a small town, many a rumour circulated to their viciousness. So I went this way. And as I set off, it started to snow. And that really did impact on my final decision to go on this shortened version. But as the snow settled into the ground, I noticed something else. And that was there was a full moon. And a really funny thing, because the snow settled quickly, the moon was shining, and this really dangerous dark road all of a sudden became very light. I walked through, 
I could see the undesirables, didn't want to have anything to do with the snow, and the dogs were locked up, so it was all safe, and merrily, I wandered home. And I think it was on that evening that I realized that at some point, I'd been scared of the dark. And in fact, probably on some point, many of us are scared of the dark. You see, that road was illuminated beautifully so I could see where I was going, and it took all the fear away. Many of us have that feeling of fear when darkness comes. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about all of us wanting to keep lights on and all the rest of it because we're that scared of the dark at night, but on some level, it is a very human instinct to happen. I want to show you an experiment where people were put into a room. And in this room, there was a light, a lot of little other lights and things like that, much the same way you should have in your living room at home. When all of a sudden, a deliberate power cut would come. And that deliberate power cut would knock out everything, every little fragment of light that you could find in the room. And every person, even the biggest, toughest, ugliest bloke that was there, was terrified, even for an instant, when the darkness came. And that experiment was followed up with another one whereby a little light was just turned on. A little light the size of a candle was turned on in that room. And all of a sudden, the fear went away. Even in the darkest places, sometimes the smallest of lights dissipates all of the fear. Now, I've only been scared once in my whole life of coming into this church, and it was my first week that I was here. And it was a Saturday, and I'd been to South Wales to do a wedding, the last wedding that I had to do in my former parish, but I had to be here to pick up some new sheets. I had a key, of course, but that was about it. And I came into the church late at night. It was pitch black absolutely everywhere. And some way I had to feel my way through. I didn't know where any light switches were to get over to the office there to open up the door and get out these newsletters. The only thing I had was my phone. And just a little light on that phone was enough to guide me the way I was going. Darkness and light. Now the scripture is very clear on the benefits of light. And in this reading, Jesus uses the symbol of light as, if you will, a symbol for himself. He is the light of the world. And throughout the ages, throughout the history of the church, the church has taken this symbol and adopted it in a big way. Many churches, you will see, will have candles on the altar somewhere. Many times when prayers are said, candles are lit. There's nothing magic going on with that, but it is a symbol reflecting the words of Jesus that he is the light of the world. Go into a hospital chapel and you will see lights in some way being ready to lit, which are lit by so many people, Christians and non-Christians, as a symbol of that light shining. And it's almost as if humanity, at the darkest times in life, calls out for light. In the darkest times, wants to see light shine. In the darkest times, desperately wants to see the light of God shine and see the light of Christ shine. And maybe 
This is the time that we are living in now. The need, the want, the desire to see the light of Christ shine. To see Jesus, the light of the world, shine through. How many of us in these last two years have just been freaked out? We've been freaked out by COVID. We start coming out of some of the restrictions of COVID, but we still see COVID rates, rates rising everywhere. We look at the Ukraine, the Ukrainian situation that has happened there, the unjust war that is raging there. We see living costs going up and up. We see fuel costs going up and up. And we see desperation of people as they don't know what to do. Just a few years ago, it felt like none of these problems were there. Yes, there were problems in the world and we knew about them, but they were nothing compared to now. And it feels like we are living in this really dark age. And in the midst of that dark age, the world, creation, is crying out for the light of Christ to shine. And in some ways, the world that we live in now is all to reflection of the world that Jesus was living in. Because the people of Israel, the Jews, they were desperate for God to shine as well. Here they were, captives in their own land. Here they were, occupied by Romans, desperately seeking a Messiah. Other people had come forward to say they were the Messiah. John the Baptist was mistaken for it. But here was Jesus, the Messiah, ready to shine. The world was dark and it needed the light to shine. And the world now desires light to shine all the same. Jesus is the light of the world. And this reading that Ian read for us starts off with that bold statement. But perhaps a deeper question exists on that. Namely, why did Jesus feel the need to say it at all? What is the context of the whole, you know, conversation? You're not just going to walk up to somebody and say, I'm the light of the world, you know. It doesn't work that way. There's got to be something else going on to prompt Jesus to say that. And on that level, we've always got to remember that the Bible is a book of 66 books. There's the Old Testament, the New Testament. In every book, there are chapters, and every chapter, there is a verse. Taking verse out of chapter, chapter out of book, and book out of the whole canon of Scripture can be a very dangerous thing. To understand that statement, we have to understand everything else. And in this reading, Jesus is in conversation with those no-good Pharisees once again. In the scriptures, and especially in the Gospel of John, you see the Pharisees as the constant bad guys. They are the villain to the superhero. They crop up all the time as the baddies. Jesus uses them as the foil all the time. It is the Moriarty to the Holmes or the Venom to the Spider-Man. It is what is going on. John uses the Pharisees deliberately to show them against who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. And here they are, once again, the Pharisees trying to get to Jesus, trying to trip him up, trying to get him to prove 
who he is. Once again, they are having a go at him. And Jesus is able to say who he truly is. And really, what Jesus is doing in the midst of this is making a stand. We know when the reading already that this wasn't Jesus' time. And because it wasn't Jesus' time, he could have walked away and said, not get into that argument, not today, I'm done with it. I'm going to find a solitude taste to pray. But he didn't. He stood up to the Pharisees who were seeking to bully him. He stood up to the Pharisees who were willing to trip him up. He stood up to powers of darkness that were seeking to pull him down and go against everything that he was. He was willing to make a stand so that light would shine. And this is a lesson for us. If we truly live in a dark world, if we live in a world where we see darkness shining everywhere and we know that there's a need for light to shine, we know that we need to be the ones who are willing to shine it. Not our own light, not our light, but the light of Christ. The light of Christ which reflects off us, much in the same way that full moon reflected on the snow in Merthyr in those days. Reflecting the light of Christ and making a stand to the world to say, no, these things are wrong. No, these things are not right. It is not right that people cannot be fed. It is not right that people are struggling to live. It is not right that hard-working people cannot get by. It is not right that a country is being invaded. It is not right that we see terrible things happening. Things aren't right. And the people who need to stand up for right are us. We need to be willing to take the stand. We need to be willing to be the light of Christ in the world. Because when Jesus ascended to heaven, as we see in that window behind us, he left us in charge. The disciples looking up saying, help me please. He sent the Holy Spirit. He leaves us in charge to do his work. He leaves us to be the light of the world. I'm going to say right now that that is nice words, but it's one heck of a challenge. And it's one heck of a challenge because we might know where to start with it. It's very easy, for example, to say, well, it's lovely that you've got an opinion on the cost of living, but what can you do about it? And I'm going to say absolutely nothing. In my human self, I can do nothing. I'm not a member of parliament. I'm not an economist. I'm just a vicar. In that sense, I can't do anything. What about the war in Ukraine? Again, I can't do anything. I am not a diplomat. I am not a general. I am a vicar. And that is true for all of us as well. When we see these things, we need to know what we can do. And this, I think, is where we see the cleverness of Jesus at play. Because when Jesus is having this whole conversation, he is doing it with his own people. It is made very clear from the off where this conversation is taking place outside the temple. 
and whom is involved in this conversation, namely the Jews. Jesus, a Jew, is having a conversation with his own. He is speaking to them and challenging them and impacting them on them in what it is that they can do. He is debating and having a conversation with people who he is able to change their minds on. As he has this conversation, there are people listening and even some who are having their minds changed. We see the Jews who come to believe just by hearing what Jesus is saying. And even amongst the Pharisees, there is one, Nicodemus, who comes to know the Lord. The Gospel of John is in many ways the story of Jesus, but it's also the story of this Pharisee, Nicodemus. He appears on three occasions. At the beginning, when Jesus talks about new birth and quotes to him that famous verse of John 3.16, in the middle, when he doesn't know what to think, and at the end, when Jesus being buried, transformed into a believer of Christ. Basically, Jesus isn't going around shouting and yelling with nobody listening. He is speaking and doing and having an impact. Context is everything. Know to whom we are challenging. Know to whom we are seeking to shine the light. Know to whom and what we can do. And that comes through prayer and discernment to who the Lord calls us to go. The Lord calls us to do what we can do. Sometimes we get so frustrated with things that we want to do. I don't know, take to social media and rant, but it goes nowhere. Actually, there are things close to home that we can do that can shine the light of Christ. If we are concerned about the cost of living crisis, well, we can donate to the food bank. We can donate to the well. We can help out at the food bank and the well as well. We can help out there practically in a way that shines the light of Christ. There are things we can do. Yes, we may not be able to impact physically on the situation in Ukraine, but we can pray. We can come together and pray as one and say, Lord, have your way there. The power of prayer is incredible. No one as far as I can see, has changed the world by ranting. No one has changed the world by putting a post or sharing something on Twitter. The world gets changed by good people willing to do, good people willing to make a stand. And that is what Jesus was, was at in this passage. He knew to whom he was speaking. He knew the things that he needed to say and he said them. And as he said them, this transformation was happening. People were being set free. Their hearts were being convicted. Jesus, the Jew, was speaking to Jews about very Jewish things. They knew exactly what he was going on about. When he was talking about his father and him on earth, they knew what that meant. Using words like Messiah, they knew what that meant. They knew what he was talking about. He was able to impact on them. Sometimes we can think that the world's problems are so great that we can dim the light that the Lord asks us to shine. Sometimes we can think that the problems are too great that we can't do anything. 
But in reality, there is always something we can do. And in this case, words and action go hand in hand. Because that is exactly what Jesus did to convince people he was the Messiah. If Jesus, for example, had just said, by the way, boys and girls, I'm the Messiah I am, people would have thought he was a nutter. If he'd just gone town to town saying, I'm the Messiah, what are you going to do about it? Nobody would have cared. But Jesus backed it up with action. Where there was a need of healing, Jesus healed. Where there was a need of a miracle, Jesus gave a miracle. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke with such authority that people listened. It wasn't just words. It wasn't just bluster. It wasn't just bravado. There was action as well. And whatever action we are called to do, it is all about shining the light. Whether that action is saying, you know what, I want to volunteer for one of these projects that helps people in need. Or I want to pray. When we take the action, the light of Christ shines. And what's more, when we take that action, people see what we are all about. And people see that we ourselves are not all bluster. People see that Christ church stands for something. That Christ church means something. And more than that, we are relevant to society. One of the biggest wake-up calls I ever had as a Christian was working in the Senate in Cardiff Bay. My boss, who was an assembly member, I arranged a meeting with him with a Christian lobbyist. This guy, who had a brief for countryside and planning and environment issues, met with lots and lots of different people all the time. When I told him he was meeting with a Christian lobbyist, he grabbed me in the corner and said, is he a nutter? That is what the perception was. Because all there was was talk, not the action. There is so much we are able to do. And there is so much action as well. And the thing is, the world outside needs to see it. The world outside needs to see us taking action. And whether that action is on justice issues, whether that action is saying, you know what, we're going to pray for people outside of this building. Whether that action is making a stand against the wrong in the world. When people see us at work, shine in the light of Christ, they see that light too. And people are always attracted to light. People will always seek out light. And people will always seek out light in the darkness. And if we are living in dark times, and I think we all can agree we are, that light of Christ needs to shine ever so brightly. And it needs to shine brightly from us. And as I say, we know that these things are terrifying. But we also know that as we do them, Jesus is with us. You know, there's two ways of looking at this stained glass window behind me. One is of Jesus ascending to heaven. The other is the hymn coming down. And I love the thought of Jesus coming down now upon us. Jesus coming down now upon us. The Lord filling us with his spirit and encouraging us to be the light that is so needed in the world. The Lord using us to do that work. And I believe that in these times, 
the Lord calls us. And the Lord doesn't make mistakes. We are alive for this time. We are God's people at this time. We weren't born a hundred years ago. We were born now. And if God's plans are right, we are born now to be his light now. And whatever challenges come the way of the world now, the Lord calls us to meet them with him. And maybe this evening the Lord is really challenging us to do as that old hymn says, let that little light shine. Maybe the Lord today is calling us to let our little light shine. Maybe the Lord is calling us to say, do it. But don't do it just in here. Do it out there. Do it with the people who need to see it, just like Jesus did to the Pharisees, to the Jews. Not all will believe, and that happened in Jesus' time, as we saw, but still will some. Some will believe, and they will be set free. That final verse just says so much. If the Son set you free, you are free indeed. The Lord has set us free. May he use us to see others set free as well. May he use us to see the fullness of the gospel come. And whether that's salvation, whether that's healing, whether that's miracles, whether that's justice, may our light shine. And may the Lord bless us and fill us with his spirit as he calls us to this work. So I'm going to pray now for us. I want to pray that we'll be filled with God's spirit. But I also want to pray this evening that as we pray for ourselves, we go and pray for the world. And this time isn't just for us. This time is for the world as well. So let's pray. Father God, we give thanks for the simple message contained in Scripture that you are the light of the world. We give thanks, Lord, that you call us to be the light of the world as well. And Lord, this evening, as we think about that very simple truth, and perhaps a truth we know already, we would take it seriously. We pray, Lord, that your light would shine from us and you would cause us to use your light in this world. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fall upon us now. We pray that your spirit would come down. We pray that your spirit would bless each and every one of us. And in blessing us, you would reveal to us the places where you call us to go. And whether those places are in prayer, in physical activity, or in other things that we need to do, we pray, Lord, that you would guide us. And Lord, on that, we pray for this world. And we pray for the darkness that there is in this world. And we pray for the situations that we, in our human selves, can do nothing about, but in a spiritual sense you can do everything about. We pray, Lord, for what is happening in Ukraine. We pray, Lord, for a change of heart for the Russian leadership. 
We pray, Lord, that your peace would come across that land and justice would be felt there. We pray for your children, your people, your church in all of that land, both in Ukraine and in Russia, that they too would shine the light of Christ in a true way. And Lord, we pray for everything close to home as well. We pray for our nation. We pray for our communities. And we pray for places where suffering is happening right now. We pray where suffering is happening in this nation and in this community today. And we pray, Lord, that you would intervene. And Lord, as you intervene, we pray that you would cause us to take the action that we need to as well, to intervene. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today and that we would know what is right to do in your name, that we would listen to the call that you place upon us and that we would not be scared to act and we would not be scared to act because you are with us. And Lord, I pray that we would hold on to the image of Christ coming down from heaven and blessing our hearts. And I pray, Lord, now that you would light us up. I pray, Lord, now that you would set us on fire. I pray, Lord, now that the fire of heaven would fall upon us and you would cause us to go into this world to be light. And as we go, Lord, may people see the light. May they see you at work. And may they come to believe in your holy name. For in the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. Perhaps you're um, struggling with some of that. because Maybe you're a person who feels that the Pharisees are pointing their Song calls us to the altar, calls us to the place of worship. Father's arms are open wide. Are you hurting? Jesus is calling. Have you come, have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar.
leave behind your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood say